Come into the house of the Lord. This is a place of worship. This is a place of praise. This is a house of prayer. This is the day the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Open your mouth. Open your heart. Open your ears. And open up to what the Lord wants to do this morning. Father, we exalt you over everything this morning in this place. We lift you up above all else, every circumstance, every situation, regardless of what we see in the natural, regardless of what we feel with our human emotions. God, we exalt you above everything else. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. There is no one stronger.
hold you, feel tall before you, silence the boast of sin and grief. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again.
Jesus, there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, we exalt your name in this place today, in this house of worship. We lift your name above every name. And at the mention of your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The world cannot offer anything that exceeds your name and your person. We worship you. We honor you. We love you. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, this morning to teach us. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you're speaking to the church in this hour. We consecrate and dedicate our lives to you this day. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, in these times in which we live, and in the days ahead, it's all going to be about Jesus. Not man, not a specific ministry or a specific gift, but it's going to be about Jesus. And He's going to receive all the glory and all the honor. And that's the way the Father intended it to be. Amen? Amen. Why don't you come up quick here? I asked him, i got to tell him to be quick because he, he can get long like me. And... <clears throat> He was up. He was out in the ditch this morning picking up trash. And I said, "I'll give you a ride." So I, I brought him back, and I began to share some things that God had been dealing with me this week. And I'm glad he didn't share everything because he began to share with me some things, and it just lined up. So I'm going to have him share. This pertains to offering, and and uh, it'll be good. Amen. Hi. I'm more excited to hear what Pastor Kathy has to say, so I will be very brief. Um, I was driving to church this morning, and I don't know exactly all of, if I told Pastor all of this, but uh, got over by Norfolk Iron and Metal, and I heard God say, pull over. And so I, you know, did. You know, I don't want to make it uber spiritual or anything. I just pulled over and I got my pen ready and I started writing a few things down. And I heard him say, honor me with your first fruits. And then he gave me a couple of more statements. He says, every breath is an increase. Every step you take is an increase. Every dawn is an increase, which I find it kind of funny that Abe said, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Every second is an increase. There are eight, 86,400 seconds in a day. That's two hours and 24 minutes. So then I wrote down uh, Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I was thinking about that. And, of course, I knew that this was about tithing. Uh, <laughs> 
there are certain things that are about to start taking place, and it's going to be good that God is going to keep us hidden from the enemy's sights. But I can tell you this right now, if you are not tithing, and what is a tithe? It's an increase. Well, it's what you're giving of your increase, not just money. You know, time. Every second of every day, you are increasing. Am I right? So you should devote quality time to God. I heard it said this uh, over the weekend that, uh, (laughs) oh, how did he word it? You can't taste a potato and expect to get nourished from it. You put it in your mouth, chew it up. No, it tastes good. Spit it out. It does nothing for you. You have to eat the potato. And I I wrote down with that, uh, church can be kind of like our potato. You can come to church. You can listen to what pastor has to say and everything like that. But unless you apply it to your life, you're not taking it in. If you're not doing what is, is preached and what you learn in your own time and fellowship with God... You can't you can't piggyback off of pastor's revelation. You have to get to know God for yourself. So, uh, with that, tithe activates us abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. You, He wants to protect us. He wants to have His umbrella over us. But if we aren't tithers, and not just money. It's not about money. God don't need your money to do what he wants to do. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. But uh, he, don't, he don't need your money to do what he wants to do in the earth. He don't need it. But it's, he wants your heart. So, with that, me and Scott were talking this morning and brought up one of our favorite scriptures. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Protection. That's a thing that you can acquire. Uh, food. Who cares about inflation? Who cares? Are you a tither? You can claim tither's rights. There is nothing that God can't get to you, no matter how it looks, you know, Elijah was fed by ravens. So, you, cupboards looking a little bleak? Are you a tither? Are you going to sacrifice your tithe to buy groceries? You know, he said, try me now in this, and then he says about opening the windows of heaven above you, and he'll pour you out such a blessing that you won't have room to receive it. I was talking to somebody about tithing, which this was a long time ago when I was uber spiritual and thought I knew more than other people and I was talking to somebody that didn't believe in tithing or really wasn't even a Christian so it's foolish you know foolish conversation but regardless they said something that's always stuck with me well my preacher always said God doesn't want you to be without but I can tell you you are without if you don't have the windows of heaven open above you and that opens up with the tithe so that's what I got Now, I'm going to share quickly what God spoke to me this week. He spoke to me a word, and I knew exactly where it was from, and it was from Psalms 57. Now, I don't listen to the news like I used to, because it's gloom and doom. And we're hearing a lot of things that that are dark and you know, 
could instill fear into you if you let it. But if you know your God, you're going to be all right. This is the scripture. It's in Psalms 57 because he, he, he talked about shelter. And that's just what I had this week. And this is Psalms 57 verse 1. It says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you. Say that. My soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. If you look it up in the Hebrew, calamities refers to ruin or destruction. I believe there's some things that are going to happen here real soon. Don't let fear into your heart. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? Under His wings, I'll make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. One more scripture. Isaiah 26, 20. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Now, I said all that just to encourage you, and it lines up with, with Nate, what he shared there's some things going to come down the pike here real soon. It's been prophesied for the last couple of years specifically. We've got some elections coming up. How many have heard all this stuff? No matter what happens, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow fear in. He's not giving you and I the spirit of fear. Amen? Of love and of power and of sound, disciplined mind. Control your thought life. Don't get squirrely. Amen. Stand on the word of God and just rest in him. Amen. Ushers, you can kindly wait on the people. If you need an envelope for your giving this morning, raise your hands and they'll wait upon you. finishing this up, I'll give you a couple quick announcements. Um, 
this Tuesday night, 6 o'clock here, Patriots United. Wednesday night, 6.15, if you're interested in praying, we will pray. Uh, 7 o'clock will be our regular midweek church service. Mike is ministering on Spirit, Soul, Body, and the Holy Spirit, and it's very good, so we encourage you to do that. Also, this last Wednesday, if you showed up for church, we apologize. We had something come up that we thought was really important, and so at the last minute we canceled the service for the week. We have a text message that you can sign up for, and and we send messages like that out. And I think a few people don't have that, and they did not get that message. We're sorry. But if you're at the end of the service, if you want to get that from us, come and talk to us. We don't pester you. We don't bug you. But maybe once a week or something, we will send out a message, and it will inform you what's going on or what's what's changed in our schedule. So if you're interested in that, um, talk to one of us after the service. Also, we, you know, we've talked a lot about the elect, upcoming election. I've never seen a local state election that is more important than this one. You may need to make sure that you're registered to vote and vote. We have some voter guides and we have a sample ballot. And if you're interested, if you're not in, as informed as you should be, we've tried to become very informed. And um, you can catch us after church on that, and we can go through if you have questions to ask concerning that. We'd be more than happy to help you with that. Also, Rich and Cammie, raise your hands. Okay, we have um, more door flyers that need to go out in the community, and so if you'd be willing to help with that, talk to them after the service, and they'll get you set up with that. Okay, I think, oh, next Sunday, 9.15, Donut Day. Can't forget Donut Day, so that's important. Once a month we do Donut Day. Okay, let's pray and then we'll proceed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. I pray that you fill my mouth with your words, words full of grace, seasoned with salt. Father God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, open to Judges chapter 6 and 7. We've been talking about this for several weeks. This will be the final week on this, and then we'll turn it back over to somebody else. If you don't have your Bibles, this is a, should be a familiar portion of Scripture. Um, 6, 7, 8 of Judges, it talks about Gideon and about how Israel had been overtaken and by the Midianites. And they were fed up with it, and they'd had enough, and they finally resorted to calling on God for help. And God raised up Gideon. And he raised up Gideon to lead the people, defeat the enemy, and restore Israel. And we talked about from the very beginning about how that's kind of in the position our nation is in. We need some things to be changed. And God gave Gideon three directives to accomplish this task. And I can't, I'm not going to go through it all, but the first thing he told him in, um, Judges chapter six was to destroy the altar of Baal. In other words, or first he gave, he said to build an altar to God, which I mean that we all need to do that. We need to make sure that Jesus is first place in our life. 
and then destroy the altar ball. We got to tear down the idols in our lives. I mean, idols, like we talked about more last week, or maybe just little things that have gotten out of perspective and out of priority in our life. And we need to check up on those and get them back in order. And then the third thing he told Gideon was to prepare the army. So then Gideon proceeded by the direction of God to prepare the army, and he used the same three guidelines in preparing the army. And so you go into chapter 7, and it talks about there were 22,000 in, in the army. and Or there were more than that, but 22,000 of them were in fear and doubt, and they were really self-centered. They were looking to themselves. So God and Gideon said, just go home. Just go on home and, and stay there because it's all about you and not about the things of God. And then we go on, and there's 10,000 more. And so God tells him that, that tells Gideon to just go down to the river, and we've talked about the river refinement. It talks about, we'll go down to the water, and I will test them. And a better translation is, I will refine them. And we talked about refine means getting out the impurities and making small changes that we so we can proceed and go forward. And that's what was happening there, and I believe that's what's happening in the Church of America right now. And we're included in that. We need to make get the impurities out. We need to allow God to refine us so we can go forward. So as he did that, they went down, and of course, 9,700 of them went to the water, and they just put their heads down and drank. And 300 of them brought the water up and lapped it so they could be alert and looking around. They were paying attention to what was going on. And I think it's interesting, this little side note, uh, our son Micah has a business, and he's named the business Eyes Up after this portion of Scripture. In other words, you need to be aware and be looking around. And then one of the missionaries we support, Mike Keyes, has just finished a series a teaching series on Eyes Up. I think maybe copied it from Micah, but whatever. But it was interesting. Yesterday we went down to the volleyball game in Lincoln, and we were driving down Havelock, and up beside us in the lane next to us pulls this Jeep, and as it pulls forward, I saw the license plate, and it said Eyes Up. I think it's, so I, really what we need to do more than ever before is we need to be awake and alert and paying attention to what's going on because we've talked about this. You know, the body of Christ and, and just people in general have gotten asleep and not aware of the things going on and we need to be paying attention. And those 300 in Gideon's army that were awake and alert were the ones that proceeded and defeated the enemy and took the victory, and it only took 300 of them because God was with them. So we, Gideon found those that would put God first over their own fears and plans. He found those that would rid the idols from their lives and would be willing to be prepared. They could not proceed until those thing, three things had happened. They could not proceed until they'd proven themselves by doing these things. In Israel, if you understand this portion of scripture, Israel was at a point of significant change. I mean, from being 
overtaken, overrun and, and by the Midianites, by the enemy, and they were ready to break forth and go forward. But it was change. It was huge, tremendous change. And if you've not understood, and most of you do, this nation and the church worldwide is at a point of significant change right now. We need to understand this thing, that God's nature never changes. God's word never changes. But because of situations, environments, circumstances, we need to make changes and perhaps change the way we do things. You hear a lot about being relevant. So many churches talk about being relevant. I'll tell you what, there's nothing more relevant than the word of God and what Jesus is doing. And so we need to be relevant, but being relevant with culture and society should not be about trying to change God and his word. It's about making changes in our lives, our attitudes, our habits, our routines, our methods, so that we can help people recognize the importance and the relevance of God in our lives and in this society. I believe people are ready for change. I know as I've been out and around, there's a lot of people just angry and fed up and frustrated and discouraged who are ready for change. But I think the church and Christians have been dragging our feet. Since 2020, the world has changed immensely and so quickly. Kaylee and I were talking about it the other day. She's a nurse. And how the medical field has changed since 2020. It's unbelievable. The education system has changed. And that's been kind of a slow, gradual change. But we were asleep. And it's changed. And it hasn't all been for the good. But God can help us to go back and take that back. Business has changed. I cannot understand the worker shortage and some of the things going on like that. It's just, it's changed. And we have to learn how to deal with all these changes. And certainly politics have changed. Politicians don't seem to recognize that people are frustrated and they're angry and they're becoming more engaged and expect to be heard. And so perhaps they need to wake up themselves. We've been in Norfolk since 1983 and we have experienced lots of changes through those years. Some good, not some not so good, but never have we seen the rapidity of change that we've seen from 2019 until now. And I've talked about this. It's like if you ever been out on a boat on the Missouri River and you don't know where all the stumps are and you don't know where all the fallen trees are and it's like you're trying to navigate that river. And you can't see a lot of those stumps and trees are under the water. And unless you're familiar with that, you really have to pay attention and be careful in navigating that river. And to me, that's what life has been like the last three years. We've been trying to navigate all these changes. And the thing is, right now, the current... Maybe not in the natural, because the water levels are low, but in the, na- in the spiritual realm, the currents are running so swiftly, it's becoming even more challenging to negotiate and, and, and to negotiate and navigate everything that's going on. And so we as individuals and as a church are like this army of Gideon, and we are at a place of refinement. We have to be awake and we have to be aware of the necessary changes and get in the flow with what God's doing. As a church, if we're going to move forward, we need to be refined. 
Remember to be refined is remove impurities and make the changes starting with the small ones that need to be changed. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and there's so much. We just got to start small. We got to start here. We got to do this little thing and change this. And a lot of the things we look at, everybody else around us has to change. And a lot of it's we have to change. Our attitudes, our way of thinking, um, you know, things like that have to be changed. And we're responsible for our own lives. And we can encourage you. We have to change as a church body, but we have to be willing individually to pray, to change. Now, I'm kind of a practical person. I'm just kind of grassroots practical. So we've talked about all these things, and there's a lot of spiritual changes going on. But I've prayerfully listed and gone through some just real practical things that I think that the church in America, us as a body, some little things that we need to refine and change and look at ourselves and be aware of. Number one, we must be more grounded than ever before in the word of God and sound doctrine. Without the word of God, it's, it's faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we've got to have the word of God in our hearts and in our lives. Um, let me read in Ephesians chapter 4. You can turn there or you can just let me read it. This is Paul speaking. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we no longer should be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine you understand there's good doctrine there's bad doctrine there's false doctrine and there's sound doctrine and sound good doctrine is always based off the word of God and that maybe seems so simple but it's true and he tells us here that we shouldn't be tossed by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but by speaking the truth in love rick renner is an an apostolic gift he's his ministry is based out in russia and he's been there for years but he's a wonderful teacher of the word of god he says sound doctrines of the christian faith are rooted in scripture and are immutable and non-negotiable tenets of faith we cannot base our faith on just things. We have to base our faith and our beliefs on the word of God. It can't be, well, I heard someone say this once and it sounded good to me. Sound doctrine is not built on old wives' tales. 1 John 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him... The word was life, and the life was the light of man. In Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18, Jesus was speaking, and he said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law 
or the word or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. You cannot go and cherry pick the word of God and make it mean what you want it to mean to justify your sin or to try to make it fit into your cultural lifestyle the word of god is solid it doesn't change you need to interpret it in light of the whole word of god not just bits and pieces that you try to make fit into your lifestyle here we are trying to endeavor sound doctrine and teaching the word of god A few weeks ago, Mike taught on the doctrine of baby dedication and on water baptism. On Sunday, November 20th, we will have communion together and we'll teach on doctrines of that. There are tenets of faith that we need to understand and they're all built and based on the word of God and we have to have that solid foundation. You know, I always talk about sports, so we got to have one little element of that. You cannot be a good athlete you can't be good in volleyball if you don't have sound fundamentals and and you know i I love baseball and the world series is going on and if you listen sometimes all it is they go back to these batters have such wonderful swings and good fundamentals but something will get just a little bit off and they go back to the batting cage and they maybe will just tweak just a little bit away they the way to hold the bat And so it all comes back to the fundamentals and you have to go in and refine those and stay with those and make sure you're based solidly on the fundamentals of the word of God. Number two, we need to be spirit led and not emotion driven. The church for the last 20, 30 years, and I'm talking church worldwide, church in the United States has been very emotionally driven when we were in omaha kent christmas prophetically said that because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of prosperity i meaning god left the house but purity is coming back to the house of god the problem has become that the presence and the move of God was not very evident in most of the church meetings for the last 20 or 30 years. Many people were just going through the motions. And because of that, we've been become unable to discern or differentiate between the move of the emotion and the true move of the Spirit of God. People rush to hear about prosperity, personal prophecies, and to be entertained. And services became things that just were there to make you feel good but ignored and rejected seeking after God and after sound doctrine. We were looking for the blessings of God rather than the God of the blessing. And we got to get back to looking for the God. The blessings will come. It's just what he talked about. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 19 gives us some direction. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. So many times we hear that, do not quench the spirit, and we think quenching the spirit is an inadequate or chilled response. But in the the commentary in my Bible, this is what it says about quenching the spirit. To quench carries the idea of dampering the flame of the Holy Spirit, 
fire, which is poured out to purify, to enlighten, to warm, to melt, and to consume. Quenching may be either by inadequate chilled response or by an exaggerated disruptive response. And I'll be honest with you, through the years, I've seen more exaggerated, disruptive responses quench the Spirit of God than I have muted, quiet ones. And we live in a German, quiet, stoic community. But if you can't be still and listen to God and listen for God, you're not honoring God. And there comes a time we need to do that. Gideon's... um, We need to be spirit-led, not emotion-driven... Gideon's army defeated the enemy and gained the victory. If you go back and we read that, we've read that. They did it with one sound and one voice. It was a unified sound that prevailed, not just noise of everybody giving their opinions, talking out of order, in order, and just making a disruptive all the time. It was one sound with one voice that defeated the enemy. Number three. Honor and order must be restored to the house of God. We have to honor God first and foremost. How can we say we honor God when in his presence we talk so much or we're so disruptive that we refuse to be still and listen to him? We also have to honor one another. Talking about scriptures that are taken out of context and and cherry-picked, one of the most common cherry-picked portions of scripture is in first corinthians but you know that is such a power first corinthians 13 that's such a powerful portion of scripture and i think regularly on a regular basis we need to go back and refresh this thinking so i'm going to talk about it right now because as we honor god and we honor one another we talked about in ephesians how we need to speak the truth in love so let me read this to you He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And we hear so much about, oh, we have to operate in love. We have to do this and, and whatever. But let's look at what love really is. Number one, love suffers long. That means it's a patient endurance and a patient restraint of anger. We could all use a dose of that about now, I think. You know, and sometimes our patient endurance needs to be with waiting on God. So many of us, we're just, God, do something right now. Well, God's doing something, but we have to be patient to let that play out. Kenneth Hagin used to say that the mistake that people made where they get out ahead of God. When we don't see God moving, there's the temptation to try to run out ahead of him and make something happen. And Hagen always said it's better to play clean up than catch up. Uh, It's better to play catch up than clean up. They said that backwards. In other words, we get out ahead of God and we mess things up and then you have to go and clean it up. It's better to stay behind, be led by God and follow him and we're not wasting all of our time having to clean up all the messes that we make. So it's better better to follow after God than run ahead of him. So love suffers long. It is patient endurance, patient restraint of anger how can we say we honor and love god if we become impatient and run ahead and try to just get an emotional try to emotionally make things happen god even if it is uncomfortable for us see 
we've got to follow after God, even if it is uncomfortable for a season. This, for me personally, and I believe for most of us, this has been an uncomfortable season. Pastor Hank talks about it being a harsh season. And it will improve. It's going to get better. But we can't just run and bury our heads because it's uncomfortable for right now. We should not try to force God's hand and make something happen on our own will. Next, love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not puffed up. In other words, it's not arrogant. And this is something that's so important. You say, well, I'm not arrogant, I'm a whatever. But are you teachable? Can you take instruction without getting all butthurt? I do. I use that on him and other. Sit down and listen to me and don't be butthurt about it. <laughs> yep. But we have to. No matter how old you are, just because you retire from work doesn't mean you quit being unteachable and receiving instruction and correction because that's how we stay adaptable. Situations change and we have to learn. You know, our boy's favorite commercial is the progressive commercial. Don't become like your parents because your parents didn't change. We have to change, every one of us. And to do that, we have to stay teachable, correctable, and receive instruction. We never become too old or too old for, or too young for these things. The next thing it says, love does not parade itself. In other words, it doesn't have to be seen. It doesn't have to speak all the time. It doesn't have to be noticed all the time. And this is an important one right here. Younger generation, you get ready to amen me and cheer me right now. I'm going to get blunt. Chapter or verse four, it says, love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It does not behave rudely. In other words, it behaves with ethics and with manners. I will be honest with you. Here we go. I turned 65 years old this year. So I'm in the old generation now. I find our generation to be one of the rudest generations there are. Not everybody, not in all situations, but I'll be honest, our generation complains about the young ones being on their technology all the time, but when we're in meetings, who is it that their phones are going off all the time? You go to the grocery store, and who is it that stands in the middle of the aisle and won't get out of your way? It's, and I don't think it's that we necessarily intend to be rude. It's just like we're in so much our own little routine that we failed and have quit looking about how we affect the people around us. And I think that is a refinement that needs to be made in the body of Christ. And yes, there are young people that are rude. Mike was behind one in the McDonald's drive-through this week and she was young and she was horribly rude, but my gosh, our generation should be setting the example. And so we've got to look at those things in our life. Love does not behave rudely. And we have to learn how to communicate differently. 
Now, younger generation, here's the little thing. Our generation is pretty frank, pretty front, pretty upfront, can be taken as rude, but the younger generation, some of you get your feelings hurt pretty easy, pretty sensitive. And so, you know, the thing is, we all have to learn to work together. We have to learn, the older generation, we need to learn how to communicate a little more effectively. Maybe a little more mannerly, a little more politely. But the younger generation, you have to learn to learn how to respond to the older ones like the older ones need to respond to the younger ones because it's going to take all of us. Amen. Everybody. Rudeness is epidemic in the, you know, we worry about the pandemic. Rudeness is the epidemic in the society today. We need to rudely and very often check up on how we treat others, on our communication skills, on our social skills, how do we behave in public. And we need to make sure that we take those corrections and receive instruction on that. We need to work at it. God doesn't just wave his magic wand. He expects us to do some things. Next one, love does not seek its own. It's not easily offended or wants its own way all the time. Now, here's the one I'll preach to, preach to me here. The next one is, love is not easily provoked. And I have to work at that every day. I get so provoked. And sometimes it's just little things, and it just tips the scale. And so I have to learn to keep a watch on my mouth. And he leaves the house. Yes, that's right. <laughs> love is not easily provoked. And sometimes you need to just learn to keep your mouth shut and walk away until you can get a grip on it. Amen. Love thinks no <laughs> Love thinks no evil. This is important. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not enable or empower sin. And we've tried, our current culture has tried to take love and think that it's going to, by empowering sin and making everything okay, that it's okay, and it's not. That's not love. If you have a child standing in the middle of Norfolk Avenue with a semi-truck barreling down on them, you're going to do something to prevent that. You're not just going to say, well, that's what they wanted to do. I love them. That's not the love of God. But love rejoices in truth. It rejoices in truth, not in iniquity, not in sin and empowering that. Love does not concede or compromise sin to evil or does not compromise sin into evil. It speaks truth, but we just need to learn how to speak the truth more effectively. That's what's honorable, and that's what brings honor to God. We'll close with this one. If you want to, if you have your Bibles, back to Judges chapter 7. As we've gone through this whole thing, 
how he selected the army, refined the army. They moved forward, and with trumpets in their right hand and the light in their left hand, they went down, and with one voice, they, they lifted up their voices, and the enemy ran because they did everything in order. Um, Judges chapter 7, verse 21 says, Every man in this army stood his place with one sound and with one voice all around the camp. And this is referring to order. We have to make sure that we are in order. Our services have to be in order. Our lives have to be in order. Every man stood in his place. We have to, we must all come to a refining and understanding of our place individually, as a church. We have to reevaluate, make adjustments here in the body of Christ. We're continually, in this church, we're continually making adjustments and we've got to make a lot more. So hang on. We'll be working on that. But if we are to proceed, we must prepare. We have to have God first. We have to eliminate the idols in our lives. We have to allow God to refine us and prepare us so that we can move forward. But this is so important, I believe, where every man stood in his place. And I was thinking about that, and I wanted to kind of conclude with the story. And see, we're in a battle. You know that. We're in a battle spiritually. We're in a battle in this nation. And I talked about not getting out ahead of God. Sometimes we have to find our place and hold the line. And one of the most, we started out a few weeks ago talking about how the church in Germany was so naive and they just caved in to what the Nazis were doing. But one of the most infamous battles in World War II was the battle at Bastogne. I don't know if you are aware of that. That was where... In Bastogne, uh, oh my mind went blank. What Belgium? In Belgium was the Bastogne, and the 101st Airborne Division were in there, and they got surrounded by the German army, by the Nazis, and they were there, and they were holding the line, and a lot of they were just getting barraged. You can go watch the miniseries Band of Brothers, and there's a whole night or two, or a whole section of that on what happened there and they were just getting blasted and all they could do was dig foxholes and dig in and hold their place and the german army knew that they were had them surrounded and they sent some guys in with little white flags and they came into general mcculloch and they said you're surrounded surrender and mcculloch sent back a one-word reply, and he said, nuts. And the Germans didn't understand what it meant, but it meant, no way, we ain't giving up. Right. And they held that position for eight days. Now, the reason I'm so interested in this was because after eight, after eight days, Patton's army arrived, and help get them out. And it was a turning point in the, our victory in Europe. And my dad was in France at that time. He drove an ambulance, and he was with Patton's army. And so he told about this. He'd, 
didn't give all the details, and I won't give them all to you. But he drove that ambulance for 32 or 38 hours straight. I can't remember which it was. And on the back of every vehicle was a little white dot. Because they had to drive without their lights on in the night. And so he would drive behind the vehicle that he followed, and all he had to do for that time in the dark was follow that little white dot. And I can't imagine doing that for hours and hours and hours. And when they got there and they got them out, he hauled out so many men that had gangrene because they'd been laying in the foxholes for so long. He could never eat anything green again. And sometimes, this is what, this is what provokes me about the body of Christ. We just wimp out so easy. We just cave in so easy. Those men helped save our civilization, and all they did was dig in. We hear stories of how Gideon defeated the Midianites, how David took down Goliath, how the American colonists defeated England and earned us our freedoms, of how Abraham Lincoln stepped up and freed the slaves and preserved this nation. We started out a few weeks ago talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Corrie ten Boom and their families and how they stood against the evil of their day. I just want to end with this. This question... Can we allow ourselves to do even to do less than that? Can we allow ourselves? I want to read one paragraph. This is out of the book by Eric McTaxis. I would encourage you to get this if you can. It's a letter to the American church, and I want to read you the last paragraph of the book. He says, but again, the question comes not to them but to you. Will you be the leader that God has called you to be in this way? Will you follow him wherever he goes and be a true disciple by looking to him alone in what you say and what you do? If a holy remnant will now do that and exhort others to join them, we will see such things in heaven and on earth as we've never dreamt of. We will see God's hand move in our time for his purposes. We will see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That was good. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. That old German's a good thing. It's a privilege and an honor. Let's stand up because we're going to be closing here. And I was thinking about that. She's been ministering on the on the subject of the 300. It's a privilege and an honor to pastor the 300. The remnant. I've never been big on numbers. I want to be effective. Amen. Took one little rock to take down Goliath. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to pastor, and Kathy and I both are proud to pastor that, that same group of people that have the spirit of David. We're not going to wimp out. We are going to have to make some more adjustments and changes in the days ahead. I am. We all are. But we, we're going to do it. And because we make that change, those changes in our attitudes, it'll make a difference for reaching people.
Amen. Amen. Why don't you come up and then come up to, to the piano, please. I appreciate our worship team and, and what they do. Amen. You know, it would be a good thing if you if you compliment them once in a while. Instead of being negative and complaining. Too loud. Didn't like this. Didn't like that. Why don't you say, God bless you for serving God. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, you know, folks, we started with Jesus and we're going to end with Jesus this morning. I can't think of a better way to do it. I want you to know the only way you're going to make it and the only way I'm going to make it, the church is going to make it, is because of Jesus. Because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, it's, it's important that you go to church, but the most important thing is relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There's no other way to heaven, there's no other way to the Father except through Him. Amen. Being a member of a church isn't going to cut it. Doing good things in in today's culture and society isn't going to cut it. The only way is through Jesus Christ. The Bible states that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's the way to the Father. He's the truth. He's the life. Well, how do we get to heaven? There's only one way you receive it. That free gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Come to the knowledge of Jesus, because He is the truth. If you're here today and I'm not going to embarrass anybody or call you up front, but I don't want you leaving here today without knowing how to get to heaven. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Scripture tells us in Romans 10 and 9, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, with the heart we believe in Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, if I were to die tonight, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. But I do want to know. I want to live my life eternally with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. All I'd ask today, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to slip your hand up right now. Fine. Now look up. In the days ahead, I'm going to be doing a lot of that. Because there's, there's people coming into the body, into the church, they've never been to church. I say, give me the unchurched ones. Give me the renegades, the outlaws, the in-laws, everybody. The rebellious ones, because I was rebellious. 
God loves the rebellious ones. They make the good leaders. Amen. I'm married to one. We're going to have to be prepared. That's one of the things of changing our mindset. Amen. Amen. Is there one more thing? Is there anyone here today you need prayer for your physical body? You're sick in your body. The Bible says to, we can pray for the sick. Amen. Some of you just came from Omaha. And you received. Tell them quickly what, what happened. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Healing is the children's bread. It's your covenant right to prosper. Be in health even as your soul prospers. And all God's people said, Amen. Remember, if you want to help put door hangers on, let us know. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you, everybody.